We're back Take again. <laughs> We're back again. <laughs> so good to see you, man. So good to see you. It's great to see you too. Uh, How's things? Uh, things are great. Things are good. Yeah, I've been thinking. Been, been uh, haven't been doing a lot of improv, so it's really nice to have these uh, question question uh, and answer things to look forward to for uh, for thinking about improv so i'm at least thinking about it all the time and, and contemplating nice. i've been good. teaching uh, some improv on a, uh on a wednesday to some uh drama students here at one of the schools i work for they've taken their courses online so uh it's been really interesting to to kind of find the dynamic that uh that works uh with mm-hmm. improv and students in particular um, and the, the thing that I've found is working, because we've just come off some sketch comedy writing stuff with them as well, and the thing that I've found is working really well is actually getting to getting them to improvise um, so it, uh, so they get to a point where they're comfortable with it, and then getting, it to, getting them to kind of re-rehearse it in the structure of a sketch, what they've improvised, so they get the pacing kind of, uh, uh, so they feel good about the pacing that they're presenting, cool. then coming back together at the end of the class and kind of showing this improvised quasi rehearsed um kind of slashy um piece of work that's been happening which has been really good so it's uh, because we're coming out of sketch i feel good about you know them getting them to improvise the stuff first and then going and beating it up a little bit uh and using those kind of skills we're slowly transitioning transitioning into just kind of improvising on the screen uh, and i know lots of people have been doing it but um it's been a really fun way to do it as well i've really enjoyed it yeah it's been the yeah, chance. I, I did uh, i've done a couple of corporate workshops uh, online and then i just did a, a workshop with a high school improv group here in, on the island <laughs> just re- just yeah. this week and so was doing some improv online and it was like the actual uh, um, I f- so part of me feels like it's like learning to improvise from a book or it's like you're reading mm. all about it, but you're not really experiencing the whole thing of it. Uh, so yeah. I feel like a little bit of that there, but the skills are still being used. And I think that's the important thing is you're still working on the skills that you use and you're still practicing the skills mm-hmm. so that when you do eventually start applying them, it, it works. So I, I'm feeling, mm-hmm. I've, I felt pretty good about it. Although I still feel like I'm, I'm teaching with like half my hand behind my back. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, even though I'm trying to use as much techno wizardry as I can, like putting on music and spotlighting videos and like, doing yeah. like, like sharing my screen and Googling stuff, like doing all this, as much techno stuff as I can. It still feels a little weird, a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I um I went into I broke them into breakout groups the other day yeah and I said I'll I'll come in uh, I'll just pop into your groups because you know if you're a drama teacher you you often um you know break them into groups and you just kind of do a lap of the room and and get a sense of how the the groups are traveling you don't necessarily interrupt so it's it's kind of odd just kind of dropping straight into someone's yeah. room because you can't you can't just kind of eavesdrop <laughs> everyone just stops what they're doing immediately and uh and so it's kind of hard to get a sense of how groups are working like that but the other day i um one of them had seen me in a movie on on tv here uh and he'd mentioned it at the start of the class and everyone was like oh were you in that movie and then i went away and halfway through the thing i just thought i'd check on all the rooms <laughs> i went into <laughs> one <laughs> one of the rooms was screen sharing and googling me and then they didn't weird. realize <laughs> so weird that thing I dropped to jump into in. the <laughs> wow weird thing to show up for 
Like, oh, it was you're... very fun. <laughs> wow. Everyone was suitably embarrassed, including myself. <laughs> was it that horror movie you were in? That that was like uh, no. He saw me in a a, a kids movie I was in. It's uh, called Oddball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a, a dog who um, uh, is bred a big Weimaraner dog who's bred to protect chickens, but uh, actually starts protecting penguins on this island from fox foxes, uh, which is a kind of a strange story. Classic around here. Yeah. So. Uh, and uh, I play uh, a, a whale, uh, a, a whale, wa- a guy who wants a whale watching centre built oh, on the okay. island where the penguins are. I, you were, I play a whale. I play a whale. No, I play a whale. That's me. I'm just a whale. <laughs> but that, the good thing about that is, I, I turned up on set that day, and I was like, I didn't know who else was in the movie uh, until I turned up on set, and I rock into the makeup uh, van, and Alan Tiddick is sitting there, um, and uh, and I'm like a huge like sci-fi nerd and yeah, stuff like course. that. And I'm like, there's Wash. Hey, Wash. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, buddy? <laughs> He's like, oh, g'day, mate. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a, I'm, a leaf I, on, I'm a leaf on the wind. I'm a leaf on the wind. Yeah. And then I spent a couple of weeks just chilling, like just hanging out with Alan. It was nice. Cool. <laughs> He's a very nice guy uh, who likes to hide scripts everywhere around the set. There you go. There's a tidbit <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, hey, let's hit some questions before people start wondering what this podcast is. What now. the hell is this? <laughs> uh, yeah. So we still have some questions left over from from uh, our big our big question uh, um, ask, and we even have a couple more being added all the time. So yes. if you have any questions, feel free to shoot them my way. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we have a we have a bunch more, and I got there's one here that I want to start with, which I think is a okay. pretty basic. Simple, almost simple question. I'm sure we've kind of talked around it or answered it at some point, but maybe not as directly as we could. So the question is from Gargi, and it is, what are the building blocks of improv? Sounds like such a simple, basic question. Yes. Uh, And I bet a lot of people listening to this already have an idea in their mind of what the building blocks of improv are. But uh, let's just let's let's you and I just discuss this for a bit. Whether we come to a, an answer or not, I think isn't so important. But what are like the mm-hmm. foundational uh, blocks or pieces that make up improvising as opposed to something else? Uh, uh, listening, acknowledging uh, the truth of of <laughs> the scene, or agreeing on the truth of the the scene relationship. You know yeah. where, where you are, the where, what, when how, uh, all of those sort of things yeah. will make themselves apparent over the scene, but I think listening and, and agreeing on those things is Yeah, I was going to say agreement. Very, very yeah. I was going to add yeah. uh, agreement or acceptance, the idea of like we're listening yeah. to each other when we're agreeing on things. Those are definitely mm-hmm. two of the most fundamental foundational blocks. What else What yeah. else would you say fits in there? And that's the yes. I guess that's the yes in the yes and, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, and so I guess the and can mean different things to different people. Uh, but the and is you know giving giving something back. So if you've received something, agreeing on something, and 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 adding um, uh, foundationally to the scene, be it a character choice, be it uh, thematically, be be it a, a building relationship, but whatever you bring back is being as constructive as the thing you you've received. Yeah, um, yeah. And we've talked about in the past. We've talked about that doesn't necessarily have to be positive in the context of the relationships between the characters mm-hmm. but uh but it, it, even if you're you know a, a, a nemesis um to the to the the uh, hero of the of the scene uh, or uh, uh, um antagonist to the protagonist you're still offering something constructive for the story yeah and like i did so i did a 
Uh, I mean, I completely agree. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I think we've talked about it already. Uh, but uh, like I did my TEDx talk, and in that I mm-hmm. said what my like seven steps of improv are. Uh, which really was because I just wanted to be seven, because that's a good number for a talk to be about. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> but I still stand by them. But um, like one of them in that is playing the game or playing games, which I don't know if that's a foundational like building block of improv. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's super important to what we do. But I don't know if it, if I'd go as far as to say it's the building block. But uh, but one of them in there that I always talk about is failing. Uh, the mm-hmm. the uh, embracing of failure, the joyful failing. Because when you're improvising, mistakes happen. They're going to happen. You're going to hit a bad note. You're going to say the wrong thing. Someone's gonna, you're going to miss an offer, uh, and you have to be okay with that failing thing. Uh, but then the other one I, I start with, which I think is important, is play or playing or playfulness. Yes. Or uh, I sometimes use play as a synonym for being present, which means you're like mm-hmm. there and ready to engage with whatever's in front of you joyfully. That's that playful way of approaching. Uh, the work but really it's it's about being present i think is, is yeah. what i would say so it's like being present <laughs> i like that phrase as well being pl- play i think if you turn up to play with that sense of uh, uh, of joy of of cheekiness of of um of of freedom then you're going to find the game and and, and you know finding the game is such a big yeah. tenant in in some schools um you know some people turn up to work to find the game but if you turn up to play the game will present itself, you know. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a very important one to start off with. Yeah, and for me it's also like – because there's so many things that in play that, that – it like because there's that being joyful, having fun, uh, being there, being present. But then it's also that thing of like like playing implies you're going to – you're going to play. Like you're going to do the thing. You're here to do it uh, and to actually play along or play the part or, or play the thing and to do the thing. And uh, I think that's super important. Show up to do it whatever you're doing do that do that yeah uh don't show up to be cynical and sit on the side and go oh god what are we doing today all right okay no one likes that energy and it washes off on other people as well particularly if you're an experienced improviser because younger (laughs) improvisers see you doing that and they're like is that how you'd be cool i don't know (laughs) hey i've been guilty of that before uh yeah yeah viewpoints um yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah so uh uh yeah i think that's a super important thing and um like in in a lot of corporate environments especially when i'm doing yep. workshops you get this very like arms crossed leaning back i don't want to do this attitude mm-hmm. and the first thing you got to do is just convince people that you have to you got to do this whatever yep. i tell you to do you're going to do it and then afterwards you can hate it and never want to do it again but for today for this hour you have to do it and if you approach improv with that uh, attitude then you do it you do it and then you'll start yeah. being okay with failing you'll start listening more you'll start uh, you'll start finding games you'll do all those other things coming from that first thing of play so like that's why to me play is such a, a fundamental important first block i i 100 agree okay so i think we i think we <laughs> kind of an- i think we kind of answered that yeah do we kind of? Yeah, I've got answer? one. Um, yeah. How do you how do you create new scenes, never before uh, circumstances? How do you create new scenes? Scenes, never before. Never before circumstances. Okay, so I think I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack that question then for a second. Yeah, because I think it's not just like 
scenes that nobody's ever seen before. <laughs> like no one's mm. ever seen that before. Cause I think those happen all the time. Yeah. I think it's circumstances that maybe we've never experienced or ever seen before. Is that, do, yeah. do, do you think that's a yeah, fair I think I, My reading of the, the question is how do you create something that's never been seen before? You know, we're, we're often given the same types of offers over again. We often play the same types of relationships. How do we aim to create something new? I guess, mm-hmm. um, both scene work and, and in the circumstances within the scene. And I guess every time we do it, it's going to be new. It may not be completely different from the father-son relationship that we may have had in another scene, but it's always going to be a new set of circumstances and something never seen before, um, unless you're kind of leaning into your tropes and replaying those yeah. stories again. Yeah, so I guess yeah. it's about kind of leaving yourself open to it, that even if it is shaving close to something that you've done before, a relationship or a location that you've played before, there's always going to be something new to find in the moment with with the improviser that you're with. Um, yeah, exactly. So, that's, that's, yeah. I, I would just double stress that, the improviser you're with. Uh, and you, like this, that phrase, uh, the phrase I love anyway, I don't, I don't even know where it came from, two truths make a fiction. Right. So the idea of you and me, we put ourselves together and we come up with a brand new fictional story. And so yep. as long as I'm bringing me and listening to you, we're going to end up with something new. Yeah. Even if And even if you and I have done the same father and son scene before, we're going to find something new because in that day, you and I are different people than we were the last time we did that scene. And that's going to affect it. Uh, so I think it'll always be new. Yeah. And I think that's, and it may be a crippling thing for newer improvisers who are trying to think, I've got to be more different than you need to be every time. Mm. Um, You know, like when they start out and go, well, I've kind of done this before. It needs to be way different from that. And and they push themselves kind of out towards the edge of a circle of expectation or just for the sake of being different. They put this kind of pressure on themselves that doesn't need to be there um, because it will be different, even if it's similar um, so you don't need to start, you know, left of center just for the sake of it because you want to do something that you've never done before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. and then what about, what about, uh, cause I, I, I see another question in this question, which is what about yep. being in a circumstance that you've never been in before? How do you improvise? Right. Like, let's say you, Jason Geary, you're playing a, uh, <laughs> a, a war veteran. Like you've yes. never been to a war, I, so I assume, maybe you yeah. have, but you've never been in a war. You're not a veteran of a war, but you're playing a, a war veteran. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you play that? You've never experienced it. You don't have anything to draw on. Uh, so what do you do? Like, I mean, I have my tactics, but what, what, what's, what do you, what do you lean to? Well, I, one, I look for the truth of, uh, I mean, all of that's like a war veteran who, who may be suffering trauma or something like that is, uh, is a shell of of the character, and what I've got to do is deliver the truth for that character in that moment. So, uh, I'll be looking for how the relationship can illuminate that kind of thing. I might lean into that, and it may be the cause of some decisions that I make, uh, but it's not going to be the defining thing. So, in short, I don't need to know a whole heap about it. I just need to have that reference so when I bounce the decisions around inside the character's head, it's bouncing off those kind of things as well. Yeah, so nice. I can assume if someone is coming back from uh, or is a war veteran, they may have some 
some sort of PTSD. They may have some stress issues. They may have uh, trust issues. They may be fiercely loyal to people and understand, you know, what what friendship is like and pressure is like, and all of these things. So I can make five or six assumptions like that um, that that are truthful to my version of of that particular character. What I've seen from perhaps other fictions from from movies or, or TV or documentaries or or talking to people in yeah. the real world about those kind of things and I don't need to know absolutely everything about them but I need to make those those four or five little connections so once I'm making the choices in the scene they're running through those filters as well they they they're getting the choice in the scene is informed by the character I'm not just playing the character yeah yeah i I know what you mean being the stereotype like yeah because i I would say the distinction between like character and and facts like the facts Mm. of this character's life Mm -hmm. versus how this character's feeling and what their relationship is with the other character like those things you play you play those things how they're feeling how they feel about the other person the facts are there to inform all of those decisions uh and also yeah like i've never been to a war but uh i I know what it's like to feel awkward around somebody or uncomfortable around somebody. And if I play yeah. that relationship, that's what's going to make the scene move forward, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Good answer. You're so good. Well, thanks. You're so good. <laughs> You're so good. Improv genius, Jason Geary. <laughs> Stop uh, it. You know I don't like that. I know. <laughs> that's why I say it. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, we got a couple questions here from, uh, and actually I'm kind of excited about this. There's a, a local high school improv group here on Vancouver Island here in Victoria. Yep. Well, in Squimalt, technically, the other side of the water from Victoria. Um, and, uh, they had two questions. They, their whole team got together and came up with two questions to send into us instead of oh, all hey, of them. Uh, so, uh, this is for the Esquimalt acting troupe, uh, eat, they call themselves. So eat. if you're out there listening, we're going to try our best to answer these questions and we'll give an answer this time instead of like some of the other questions where we should talk about. <laughs> uh, so here's the first one. Uh, what are mm-hmm. some improv experiments you tried and failed at? And what did you learn from them? Are there any that stick out in your mind you'd like to try again from the Esquimalt acting troupe? Well, that is a great question. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like a lot of what we do is experiments. (laughs) (laughs) And fails. (laughs) But in terms of, uh, uh, like, you know, being director or, or trying to, you know, discover new ways of doing things. Um, I, I feel like, you know, not everything has to happen. I'm talking about in rehearsal room here. I'm talking about when we're, we're trying new things within a troupe, uh, as these people might be doing within themselves, mm-hmm. is uh, being prepared for something to fail. Um, so the first part of that experiments, uh, what improv exper- uh, question, sorry, what experiments have you tried and failed at, that largely they're just different different ways of trying to find a way into improv or a different structure or a form or something like that. And largely uh, we fail or I fail uh, in the past and we talked about this in our formats is because we try to make everything too complicated um, and and I get in my own way or I get in my improviser's way. Um, and generally when I'm failing, the solution is pulling things out 
rather than uh, pulling structure out or, or pulling, not making things so complicated, simplifying mm-hmm. things to leave room for the improvisers to improvise and, and connect and do their things. So the experiments that I've done are usually formats. Usually they start with me overthinking them and thus bringing something way too complicated into the room trying to put it on the floor, realizing that I've overcomplicated things and uh, and even even beforehand going, don't overcomplicate things, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. I still bring something like a mousetrap game into the <laughs> into the room. And uh, and 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 it yeah, it just normally <laughs> solves itself by uh, by peeling things out. Now that leads to the second half of this question for me is Sometimes one of the things that you peel out might be something that you'll try again in a different context or even just by itself. It's just not the right idea for that particular thing. So, um, so, and I have books and I'm sure lots of improvisers do books and books of things that could work here or could work there or you'd like to try there or didn't work with this, but it's still just kind of rattling around your brain going, oh, I wonder if... If I could throw this in with this thing, is it going to work? Um, so experimenting, I think, is a, a really great word there um, because experiments, you go into experiments knowing that there is a high chance they're going to fail as much as they're going to succeed. And so, uh, and and you learn just as much from a failed experiment as you do from a successful one, particularly when you're working in the rehearsal room with a group of people like your regular troupe. So, yeah, I think that um, for me, failures have been overcomplicating things, uh, but then breaking that down and stripping things out leads to things I want to try uh, from other experiments or in mm-hmm. other forms or um, or as exercises or, or things like that. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. Where are you? Yeah, I've uh, I've done a lot of things and failed. I think one of the nice things about having started improvising before the internet was really a big thing and social media didn't exist, yeah, uh, a lot of my early failures as an improviser were uh, mostly quiet, like they weren't uh, all over the internet forever and ever. Uh, unlike yeah. today, so like, um, like we did a show once. I did a show once called "When Harry Met Sally," and we invented a whole new format called a Sally. Just so we could do a Harold and a Sally at the same time. Right. And it was a dumb format. I don't even, oh, I think I remember what it was. It was like we would get the audience to create a character and the character would never be in any of the scenes. And we would just sort of talk about this character and that right. character's name was Sally. And that would right. inspire the scenes. And it was a terrible format. Like, oh man, you can just imagine <laughs> a bunch of 20 year olds just talking about somebody who's not on stage. Um, yep. And so we did things like that. I, I tried one format we called the the riddle and we'd get a riddle as the suggestion. And then by the yep. end, try and answer the riddle, uh, which I still like that idea. But the way we did it was essentially we just did a herald, but we asked for a writ. Like right, right, yeah. It wasn't yeah. a good format or anything. I don't know. So I've done, I've done lots of, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, I guess, dumb shows. Uh, yeah. and, and ideas, I, experimenting in my youth, you know, just try this, let's try that. Yeah. Um, and then I think it all sort of came from this place of like, that'd be cool or that'd be neat or that would be funny. Like usually those are the thoughts that lead me to failures. Yep. Whereas like things like like ooh I love this or uh, or like or like oh that's interesting those thoughts always lead me 
to success because I'm kind of being inspired by something as opposed to I think something's going to be funny. Like I'm, I'm not yeah. trying to be clever about it. I'm just being inspired by something that kind of leads to the success or failure of it. Uh, what else? Oh, we did a show called The Wizard of Haas once, which was essentially <laughs> The Wizard of Oz. But with like ha ha ha's, Wizard of Oz, and it was, it was an improvised Wizard of Oz story with scenes plugged in, and it was like, you know, and this is this is the other thing. I look at that as like that was a failure, but the audience yeah. looked at that and was like that was a success. Yeah, like I have done shows that I consider failures that still win like a pick of the fringe award, and I'm yeah. like, really, this show is not good. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah. So I think it, it depends on the the perspective of it. Um, but there's a few that have stuck in my mind and uh, things I'd like to try again from them. I mean, I'm sure uh, I, I don't think I really want to tr- like the riddle thing. I like that idea, but I don't think I really want to try it again. Um, but what did I learn from them? I think every failure I did learn something like to not overcomplicate a format or not make a format just because it's a joke. Uh, and to make sure I'm being inspired by the work and not just trying to sell tickets as well. That's another big one. Yeah, and I think uh, what I heard there, because I did, you know, in my 20s, I did a lot of that kind of thing, like take a format, you know, and love like a Herald or, or, or theatre sports and change one cog in the machine <laughs> yeah. and, and call it your own kind of thing. And it's not different enough to inspire or do anything. And often the, the cog that you've changed breaks the whole thing anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it and, ruins and so, it. And it. Yeah, and, and, and there was a point kind of, I guess, in my mid to late 20s where I started going, I don't have to use that machine anymore i can just build my own and and i can take bits and pieces that i've learned and start piecing them together myself and i think that's probably uh uh, leads to more failures is trying to take someone else's idea or someone else's thing and use it as the core of your own you can be informed by it and and but you've still got to fashion your own pieces you know Uh, because yeah i did that right the way through my early 20s late teens early 20s was just changing a little thing here a little thing there try or or adding on to what or already existed rather than trying to think originally and and how the cogs are going to work myself Mm -hmm. so yeah i i I really identify with what you said there it's just like yeah because yeah there was a whole shocking run of stuff through uni and stuff (laughs) like that was that it was unoriginal um uninspired it was inspired to us but it was only the one thing that was changed you know um so yeah i really i really resonate with that and i think there is an important lesson here of like you should experiment and you should try things and you're gonna fail at them you know especially when you're young these these are come from teenagers you're young you should try as many things as you can uh they're gonna fail they're not gonna work they're not all gonna work uh, and uh, if everything you're doing is working, then you're probably not trying anything new. So, you know, push yeah. yourself a bit. Yeah. Um, cool. And they had another question. Ready for a second one? Yeah. From the Esquimalt acting troupe. <clears throat> what advice? I'm sorry. I'm trying to be all like formal about it. <clears throat> what advice would you give to an improviser who is still trying to figure out what their style is? What advice would you provide someone who has a clear style but wants to try new things? All right. Style. Uh, And I I assume they mean personal style, not like their their genre that they fit into. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, style for me is, in an improviser, is if I break that down into is it what they're good at? So someone might be great, uh, a good physical improviser or someone might be great with puns or a little bit wordy or, or, or things like that. Like, um, 
Is that what we're talking about with style? I think you know what I think. Yes, I think that's what they mean. Their style of play, not like, yeah. like so. Like they're they're quick, they're quick and witty, or they're really slow, or they're very physical, or they're great at mm-hmm. characters, or they're really good with narrative. Like like their their style of uh, of improv play and, and technique techniques that they are excel at. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think of it. Well, I mean, there's a real danger there in in trying to find one groove. Like, why have one style? Have them all, you know, for the first mm. part of that question. Yeah. You know, if you're still trying to figure out what your style is, great. Play with all of them. Play with – give yourself a, a mission – before every show, today I'm going to try to be verbose. To, today I'm going to try to use words I, I don't normally use with my with my characters. Today I'm going to be physical. Uh, today I'm going to challenge myself to sing a song, if appropriate format, etc. Et <laughs> no, no, even you if, know what I mean. Even if it's not <laughs> appropriate, not. just sing. <laughs> just come out raw. Um, Mom so, is um, dead again. <laughs> no, just go right into it. Just go right into it. Um, so, uh, oh, quick side sidebar. Uh, I watched the first episode of Central Park today on Apple TV+, Plus, mm-hmm. uh, which is the new musical thing from Bob's Burgers, Josh Gad, and a whole bunch of people. It was a delight. Great. Um, I can't wait to rush back in later <laughs> and binge the rest with my kids today. So, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, just speaking of singing out of nowhere, it's uh, it's a musical thing set in Central Park. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. Go for it. It's great. Cool. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, if you're still trying to find your style, don't push yourself into one thing. Um, you know, it's. I think it's better to have to be a Rubik's cube. You know, have a style on every face that you can just kind of change to as needed. Uh, because mm-hmm. you don't know. You might fall into a style with this group, but then you might move off to university. You might yeah. move into a, a troop. And if you feel yourself in this style, then you're going to feel yourself stuck in a rut. Or, or this groove, if you need to go and be flexible in another in another group. So, um, st- having the word style is is dangerous. I think um, don't b- put yourself in a box. You might be better at a few things than other things, which is a challenge to yourself to start working on those other things. Um, so, if we're looking at this like a soundboard with eight different channels on it. You don't want just one up. You want them all kind of even. Sure, you'll have some undulation, but you know what you want to work on. You want, you know what you need to push up uh, in your yeah. skills work. Yeah, um, and, and, I'll, and before we get to the second part of the question, yeah. I, I just want to add on to that too because I think, I think you're right on it. And I think if you ask any improviser who knows one of us what our style is, they'd get a lot of different answers from people who say like, Oh, he's like this. He always plays like this. He's very slow. He's really quick and funny Uh, because we play different styles depending on the situation. And I think that's super important uh, to be a, to to basically have a a tool belt and of all the different styles and techniques that improvisers use to be able to jump into a quick and funny theater sports show and just slam dunk your way through the show as needed, Mm -hmm. but also be able to pivot into some nice emotional uh, work. I think, I think that's super important to be as flexible as possible uh, because you never know when you're going to need which tool. Uh, And it is funny. Something I've just, just thinking about is that I don't often teach comedy stuff when i teach improv like i don't teach t- comedy techniques uh because i'm like to me and and i just i just naturally do do it if i need to right like i can just any scene any moment in a scene find something funny to say 
yeah. if I need to, but I try not to. But I, and so I never bother teaching that because it seems like such an easy thing for me to do. So it's just something I'm realizing mm-hmm. right now. Maybe I should teach people more <laughs> how to do that once in a while. Uh, just because yeah, that comes in handy. Comes in handy. Yeah. And so the, I guess also regarding the first part of that question is uh, if, you, if you're worrying about what style you're in, it's taking you away from the work on the stage anyway, Mm. Um, you know, uh, particularly if you're worrying on stage or at the side of the stage. Um, So, yeah, just be be careful with putting yourself into a box or other people into a box because while it might suit the group that you're in now, uh, you might find that it it, it makes the other skills that you need in different situations a a little weak. Ultimately, everyone should be comfortable with every kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you will have strengths. People do. Uh, uh, um, and, you'll have, and, and you'll have preferences, like styles that yeah. you like better. That's that's fine. Yeah. But you should but play don't on don't pressure that. yourself, yeah. Uh, and so the second part of that is what advice would you provide someone who has a clear style but wants to try new things? I mean, it's the same thing. If you are uh, great at physicality, great, shelve it. Start the next week of games or next week of seasons going, all right, this time I'm going to try to flex this other muscle. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't have to announce it to anyone or anything like that. You just, because it's still there. That's the thing. If my primary thing is I'm a, a physical improviser and I've set a goal for myself to go out and be verbose and it's, it's working or not working, I can flip back into, my more natural style very easily mm-hmm. and and save the show or my scene or my partner or whatever with that particular muscle so just be you're not taking it away from the equation altogether you're just giving yourself a different thing to focus on yeah i think um i think there is one thing i would say though about about um uh changing your own style because the people you play with do have a tendency to push you into the style you play best at right like the They'll they'll yep. give you offers in that direction because they know yep. that you're that kind of character uh, and that kind of player. So I think communicating with the people you're playing with that that you're trying to to improve in this way or you're trying to get yep. out of this and you want to work a little more on narrative or on character or whatever you're you're whatever you're you're trying to do differently. Uh, letting them know because also the other thing with style is the people you're playing with help define the style. Like if I'm doing a theater sports show in a big comedy club that's that's just that that style is put there by the audience by the players by the environment so explaining to those players or that uh, or that audience that this is what you're trying to do will allow you to break out of your tendencies right like like i find when when i do more serious work i do tell the audience hey we're trying something a little different today we're not trying to not go for the joke like at the uh, improv festival that uh, one day i'll host again (laughs) Um, uh, I make a point of telling the audience at every beginning of every single show that I have instructed the improvisers to, when given a choice between funny or beautiful to choose beautiful. So, so the audience knows the players know the environment is set for that. And then the characters now have an uh, ability when they're in a scene to try to make those beautiful offers. Uh, so I think setting the environment so that the style that you're trying to push yourself into is, uh, is, mm, I don't want to say allowed, but is more accessible and more uh, accepted in that situation, the the better. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Particularly with your teammates and teammates that you're you're tight with, um, you can ask them uh, that of them. Hey, push me towards the narrative rather than the physical this time, mm-hmm. uh, because 
in their best improviser brain, they're going to help you shine. And so if they've put you in this box or they expect this of you uh, and you've not told them otherwise, then, yeah, they're going to set you up to hit it out of the park with what you normally do. So, so yeah, I think that's really important too, tell those people around you. Um, I've got a question here that yeah. I – Oh, first uh, though, I, first though uh, – Thank you very much, Esquimalt uh, Acting Troupe. Thanks for sending in those uh, yeah, questions. Yeah, thanks, Grievous. Yeah, and keep keep improvising. If anyone's in Melbourne, uh, g- give me a hoy. I'll take you out for coffee. Yeah, his phone number is... No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> It's on IMDb. You can, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, uh, here we go. How can improvisers connect with tech so they are working together versus... Tech just being along for the ride. Mm. That's Jenna. It's a nice question. It's a nice question. Yeah, I, I mean, re- we did really enjoy that one. Talk a little bit about tech in previous episodes, the style mm. episode mostly, though. But um, how can providers connect with tech so they're working together? This is something I, I, I sp- it's a pet project of mine, trying to get technicians more credit in improvise in, in improv shows. Uh, yep. There's one thing I do to help. The simplest thing you can do is at the beginning of the show, tell the audience that there is improvisers you can't see on stage working with us and they're yes. right up there in the booth and introduce them at the beginning of the show as if they are part of the cast i think mm-hmm. is a simple thing you can do just to put the improvisers in a mindset that oh wait yeah those are our teammates and put the audience in a mindset of like oh cool there's people doing the tech uh so so that the techs actually feel a part of the show i think is is a simple mm-hmm. thing that's super important you can do uh and then the other thing is uh this is just like the struggle, the the infinite struggle, is trying to get improvisers to stand in their light. Um, yeah, because they just want to move, <laughs> like do do do, would like follow me. Uh, but I think um, training your improvisers, telling them every time, have an improvising lighting person there for rehearsals if you can, but just pushing them, pushing them, pushing them to like when an, uh, the lights come up, that's your lighting. Get in your light. Yeah. Right. And we talked about stagecraft as well in a previous Q&A, but, um, but like that, that lighting offer is an offer. That's the light you're playing in. Don't stand at the edge of the light. Stand in it and accept that offer that was just given to you. And that's a harder thing to do. Uh, and you just got to kind of keep working on it, I think. Like, what, what do you think? Yeah. What would you add to that? How's, how's that? Uh, look, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's exactly the same answer really is uh, I think you've got to let the improvisers know that uh, on stage that the tech is an improviser as well <laughs> like mm-hmm. um and and so the tech can rehearse as part of your troop be it uh be it on the floor doing exercises or or in the box if you are lucky enough to rehearse in a in a space um and and to acknowledge the fact that when the lighting changes that is someone making an offer to you you mm-hmm. need to be uh, looking for those offers as much as you're looking for the offers in the people standing opposite you. Um, the same with the music. They may be playing music from the booth or there may be musicians on the stage with you. It's all a dialogue. It's all part of the show and the audience is absorbing it all. So if there's a subtle lighting change and you don't move two feet to the left because that that's where the things are and the audience are going to see it and it's going to break it for them. So you really have to just look for the offer, acknowledge that they're not, a tech, they're they're the improviser. Yeah. They're the improvising uh, uh, up there with you, and all the great shows I've been a part of, festivals as well, things like that, where where um, 
working in theatrical spaces, uh, and this was routine when I was artistic director at Impro Melbourne, and it pretty much still is, uh, I'm pretty sure, is when we get into a theatre space, uh, part of the warm-up is the uh, improvising tech going through the rig. Yeah. of the lights, saying, this is where the light is, this is where the light is, get up there, feel it, here's your spot. If this light goes on, this is the area that's best for that. Um, and having the actors walk the stage and feel it, um, and so they know where they can they can hit that and where they can honour the offer that's been given to them. Um, yeah, we do, so- we do the exact same thing. Every paper should show... Uh- we get a walk through the lights before every show, and um, and we even play a warm up called "Find Your Light," where we we all sing a song. I think I talked about this in our style yep. episode, <clears throat> where we sing "Find Your Light, Find Your Light," find, and as we we sing it, as the lights go dark, and then uh, Emma brings up a a cool lighting look, and then Dan mm-hmm. brings up some cool music, and then the improvisers just stand in the light and just start a scene cold, just like yep. what does this lighting suggest to me? And I yes. think, like, as far as a, a simple warm-up that you can do goes, I think starting cold with just the tech as the offer is a really nice way to get the improvisers to actually start thinking of it as an offer and thinking of, like, oh, if we're standing in light like this, I do feel kind of like a villain. Okay, I'll play, like, a mean character. Uh, and they're being forced to accept the offers of the tech instead of just, um, you're in a bakery, and then the tech brings up spooky lights, and you go, hi, I have some bread for you, and ignore it. Yeah. You kind of have to accept it. So I think that's a good warm-up to, to try, yeah. And also to encourage the tech to play yeah. as well. I yeah, mean, there's that nice. word again, because sometimes they get stuck behind the desk, and they just kind of want to follow on and, and give the improvisers kind of what they're asking for, and they fall in line sometimes, I think, um, with in, into that second half of the question, which is where is it versus uh, just playing along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes they do that. Sometimes they'll just kind of slip into a groove and, you know, provide the lights that are needed and, and that's that. So like any improviser on your stage if you're noticing that someone's falling behind a bit if you're noticing that someone's just on the back wheel kind of keeping up then you would note that in uh in feedback for the um for the players on the stage so note that in feedback for your text as well be it music or or lights just say next time i want to see some more out of you next time i want to see some sharper offers or some some establishing offers or things like that and and i know that uh in uh you know theater sports shows or short form shows quite often we will defer to the music and the lights to say set up a scene for us what have you mm-hmm. got um and so so pouring the attention onto them when you can as well is also another good strategy but as director as performers don't think of it as a separate part of the the tech thing. They are part of your troupe. They are yeah. part of the performance. Nice. They are improvisers, so include them in all of the things. And they might not be able to stand down on stage and warm up with you for performance because they're warming up lights, they're doing all of that kind of stuff that they need to do in the theatre to, to be able to light you properly. But try to stay connected with them. Try yeah. to stay connected before, during, uh, as you say, introduce the audience to them. Keep them uh, as a part of, of the whole rather than a separate entity. 
Uh, yeah, and you know, I'll, I'll uh, just uh, I could talk about this forever. Like we, we could keep going with this, but um, but again, I, again, I would stress the simplest things you can do: just acknowledging the tech every show, putting their yep. po- picture up in the lobby with the cast, like this is our mm-hmm. tech. They're an improviser too, and really stressing that is super important, not just for the audience but for the improvisers, just to always have in their mind. Um, but the other thing uh, about tech. Um, is one of the things, one of the places I learned how to improvise with the tech the best was doing solo work, like, yeah. uh, and ha- having only the tech and me. And so I would need lights to, to really help make offers. So I would t- encourage technicians to go like, really give me some lights to play with yeah. and sound really give me some sound. And when I'm on stage and I hear the sound music coming in, I'm like, Ooh, an offer from somebody else. This is great. And so like, I, I, uh, it helped train me to really listen to the tech and really mm-hmm. hear those music offers and really notice those lighting offers because they were the, the only thing I had other than me to inspire me. Uh, and same yep. with working with the audience too. But I think, I think um, that that's something new. So maybe try doing some exercises where you set up scenes where people just have to by themselves do like a quick little scene uh, or an activity with the tech as the only people giving them offers. I think that would be a nice little exercise just to play yeah. with. And uh, and I mean, and there are other things you can try as well. Like uh, like in Zoom, I have the drummer on the stage with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, and it's only ever backfired one time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but generally, um, you know, they're they're there as you know. Sometimes with theatre sports, you'll have the the uh, musician up on the stage or or very near the stage, visible to the audience. I wanted that with with the drummer in Zoom as well. So you can fold the tech into your show and have it very, very visible. Um, um, so that's an option as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. I got a question here uh, that I, that, uh, I think, I, I don't know, I don't know how, how to, I don't really have a great answer for this. So I'm just going to read it and see okay. if hopefully you have a good one. Uh, when I watch improv, it all looks amazing. But I imagine that when you watch it, it probably doesn't anymore. <laughs> Do you still see good improv? When is improv good to you? Uh, all right. So Let I, me I answer. I think I now have some answers in my head now that I've read it yeah. out. But but you go. Three, go ahead. There's three questions there essentially. Uh, but if you watch it uh, properly, uh, it, it doesn't anymore. Oh, there's two questions. Do you still see good improv? Yes, I do. Um, the amount that i see shrinks <laughs> has shrunk uh, the the amount that i enjoy improv to the level that i did when i when i started and do you think that's um, because improv has changed or you've changed uh, both yeah to be honest uh, I, i've been doing this for over 20 years and there's there's been a lot of of change in uh, in the style in the structure in the form and uh, in myself as well um uh, i prefer to do it than to watch it uh but uh I do still see great improv and the answer is when is it good to you is when it surprises me mm. when it is and it doesn't have to be a brand new format doesn't have to be um it doesn't have to be uh you know something that I've never ever seen before it can be a format I've seen a million times before but what when it surprises me is the relationship between these two particular improvisers at the time, when it makes me lean forward, when it invites me 
onto the stage, uh, when I don't feel like people are just kind of trundling through their their own kind of ego or their own kind of uh, or, or just kind of working for each other. So when it's good, it surprises me and it invites me to be a part of it, mm. and and I revel in that. That's why I go to the theater. That's why everyone goes to the theater. They want to be a part of telling that story. And if you look like you're having more fun up there than me, or your formats. Uh, taking all of the time, and I'm not seeing your, you improvising. I'm not going to enjoy your work as much as seeing you improvise, seeing you surprise yourself, inviting me into that uh, into that story as an audience member. I'm not saying invite me into every improv show, <laughs> but he is, but he is. Yeah, invite him to but, every show. Yeah, every every improv show. Um, but you know what I mean. Like when I'm sitting there, when I'm watching a 20 minute set. Um, you know, one 20 minute set can have me struggling to stay awake because I'm an old man now. And the other will have me on the edge of my seat just going, Oh, right. There's, there's real play happening here. There's real risk and there's real, um, connection. And that's when it's good for me. Mm. Uh, so it's not reliant on a particular format or style or, uh, weighted in a way. You could have a very complex format, but, but generally it's uninsp- when it's uninspiring, that's when it's not good to me. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's hard to, to put a finger on good, right? Yeah. Like, cause like, I think for me, like I, 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 there's like two ways of watching improv, just watching it and enjoying it for the mm-hmm. funny comedy, the discovery, the enjoy, enjoyment of the story. But then there's yep. also the improviser part of me that's watching the technique and the technical aspects of the show yep. and the edits and the format and all that. Uh, and so like sometimes they're, they're in agreement and they both hate it. Um, other times they're in disagreement and only one yeah, of them hates it. Yeah, for sure, for uh, sure. Where I'm watching, I'm like, this is hilarious, but it is yep. terrible technique. Yes. Oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe I'm watching this, but you're so yep. funny. Uh, right, and then other times it's just painful in both ways. Um, yep. But uh, And I shouldn't say painful, but you know, hard to watch. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, it, it goes back and forth. But mostly when it's good to me is when I, I'm... That, that, I guess that same thing that we're we're all enjoying when we're watching improv is seeing people discover stuff, and when yeah. I can, when I can tell that these improvisers are discovering their moments, that to me is just like so fun to watch two people find their way into something together. That is where the joy really lies, and that's where I feel like this is good, even if the technique is falling apart. But watching yeah. someone discover something is just such a joy. Uh, so that's when it's really when it's good to me. Um, and then other times is when I feel like people are just sort of like uh, checking that list. Like I've established a character, I've created a relationship, I found an objective, I'm, I'm put an obstacle in the way, and they're just like kind of going through this checklist, and it doesn't feel like they're discovering it, and they're more yep. being forced to do it. Uh, which is sort of what led me into this whole like one of the things I like to teach about storytelling is. I started teaching storytelling because I hated watching improvisers tell bad stories because we spend so much time like you got to tell a story and then we just tell these bad stories. So why are we telling the story? Uh, And it's like watching improvisers just sort of check their way through this storytelling list is like is is painful to me. That's when it's really not good. And I just want to see people play, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Just because we know how the sausage is made. Doesn't mean we don't like sausage. Well, well, I don't. I don't like (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, it worked on me. Yeah. As soon as I found out the sausage got made, I didn't. As soon as I figured out how improv worked, I don't ever want to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, cool. I think that's that's good. That's good. There you go. There's our answer to that question. It's all good, but sometimes it's not. 
Cool, you got another one there? Uh, otherwise, uh, I, got, I got one I think scanning. is kind of funny. You got one? I got one that's kind of funny. Because we actually have to come up with three lessons. What are the three biggest slash best lessons improv has taught you? Question three. <laughs> three. We have to come up with three. Let's do it together. Let's try and come up with three lessons that improv has taught us. Uh, okay. The three biggest and best lessons. Well, so, two we've kind of touched on for mine already. Okay, yeah, give like me one the of them. Give me one best. of them. Uh, uh, happy failure. Happy failure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably the biggest, uh, one of the biggest things that has plugged into the rest of my adult life uh, in, a, in a way that has kept me sane uh, and also taken me to places I probably wouldn't have gone before just because... Uh, well, the experience of it is enough. The success of it is is irrelevant due to the experience of of it. So, uh, and what am I going to learn from that experience? If um, so, yeah, yeah, that's great. Giving I, stuff I, a go and learning from it. One hundred percent failure. Happy failure. Yeah. That ability to let go of a failure and not let it weigh you down and and yeah. take over your whole life for a few weeks. Like I had, I screwed it up. Let it go. Move on. Like that. That yeah. is, uh, I think, a super crucial one uh i think and uh, as i've yeah. had as i've gotten older as a as a as an a, a adult male particularly past my like past my 30s or mid 30s i've had to remind myself of this more and more and more mm-hmm. um because i've wanted to beat myself up about you know a, a failure of this or a failure of that maybe because the stakes are higher as you're older i don't know but uh but i've had to remind myself of that more and more um and it, it never loses its value Oh, so important. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. sometimes you'll find yourself being like, oh, and then go, wait, it's okay. I can let that go. Let it go. Let it yeah. Go. Uh, yeah. I think one for me, and I don't know, maybe this isn't the right, maybe you'll help me find the better wording for this, uh, is this idea that there's always something there. Like there's already an offer there. There's already an idea there. The idea is there and it's it's how you uh, accept that idea and what you do with that idea that's going to make it good or bad like mm-hmm. you don't need this brilliant great idea to come to you that you're going to put yes. on the stage the great idea is already there you just need to go out and execute on it uh right like that idea of of um maybe that's maybe that's the best way to phrase the idea that that thing about how like ideas aren't the valuable part it's how you how you execute on those ideas like maybe that's yeah. the, the wording of it's it. like getting out of your own way you know it's it, it, because you you will stop yourself looking for the one thing where the one thing's probably just sitting there. You just need to polish it up a bit, you know? Yeah. And that, um, maybe that's it. It's, it's the, it's the getting over the value of the idea. Like I, I yeah. don't need a great idea. There's an idea. Yeah. Let's do it. And we can make it excellent. And we'll find a way to make that idea. Great. Uh, yeah. Instead of waiting for the good idea. And that maybe that's it. Don't wait for the good idea. Just take that idea. The idea that came to you is good enough, you know, like, yeah. And and what's what I think of as a boring idea, you think of as a brilliant idea because you weren't thinking that right, like that whole yeah. that whole I, I, idea of it. That that's the I think that's one of the most important things when it comes yeah. to anything writing, anything creative, trying to mm-hmm. fix problem solving. Like oh no, what am I going to do about this situation? It's like don't go. Th- I need the best res- solution. It's like no, no, just go with the solution. That and also, you got. if you're looking for the best solution, that's when you've got a blinking cursor on the screen just just mocking you because you can't write anything because you're like, okay, no, that's not good enough to start. That's not good enough to start. And often just getting the ball rolling, you'll end up discarding the first one or two ideas because that those one or two ideas 
will lead you to the third. Mm. Uh, and that's where the gold is in terms of writing or, or, or things like that. And sometimes that first idea may be it. But sitting around waiting for it, getting it perfect, is not gonna. It's not gonna start it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's uh yeah. Thinking of uh, of that one thing and just seeing where you go with it is is great. Yeah. I kind of call it getting out of your own way. Yeah. Don't um, wait for the great idea. I don't know. Well, well that that yeah. You get the idea. That's don't the judge your own ideas as well. You know. <clears throat> second one. The idea is already there. Uh, get out of yeah. your own way. That's the first. The second thing. First thing was happy yeah. failure. What's the third one though? This is this is where it gets tricky. We only get to put one more on this list. I would say play. Just be like just play straight up. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like find if you're prepared to play, then it makes these other two things incredibly relevant. If you you you're prepared to play, you take this starting point, this this single idea and go for it. Uh then if it doesn't work out, there's happy failure there. And, and 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 we bring it back through this loop, you know, of, of of all right, well, I'm prepared to take it down this track now, see where it goes. Yeah. Um and uh, and and not kind of punish yourself and uh and so then the process becomes one of infinite reward rather than than uh, infinite kind of dead ends, you know, where you have to kind of walk back to your starting point. You're still always looping around. Uh, and that's assuming that you're failing every time, mm-hmm. which you won't be because yeah. that you know that idea will will and the, and the ability to play with it to see where it goes to follow your nose is going to yeah. lead to success more times than it's going to lead to failure. Yeah, it's play in that idea of exploration. Like like let's just mm-hmm. play around with this. Let's explore this. Let's see where this goes. Yep. Yeah, I think that's good. The the only other one I might want to put on there instead. Oh, it's three. Only three. This is impossible. Um, is the idea of, oh, I got so many that I want to put on this list now that I'm thinking about. I'm like, which one? Like the idea, of course, the idea of acceptance is huge. Like just being able yep. to accept a situation and accept what's there and take and not. I feel like that's wrapped up in play. I feel for me, that's wrapped wrapped up in play. I'm going to put that in play too. Yeah, good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's, because it's that idea of of not being in another world. You know, like not being in the world where that didn't happen, and then now, Mm. uh, like, oh, I wish I was in a world where that didn't happen, and sticking that wishful thinking place and being like, no, 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 this is what's actually here, and being able to accept what's there in front of you. You know, like this is true. You know, like my 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 uncle is sick. Instead of thinking, I wish he wasn't sick and living in that world, I'm going to accept this world of him being sick and live in that world with him and be as best as I can, right? And that, yeah. that's that idea of being able to accept the world as it is. And if, if we want to call that play, let's call that play because then we can put it all together. Because <laughs> <laughs> the only other one I was going to say, which is the cockiest thing I could possibly say, is that improvisers are just better than other people. We're <laughs> <laughs> just better people. No. Number one, we're better people. We're better people. Number two, <laughs> but you know, but it's the thing I, I talk about sometimes in in, uh, in corporate training work. It's like this idea of improvisers being these like excellently flexible, adaptable people that they can figure out a situation. We can we we can engage and listen and and see what's going on and be observant and learn how to do it as fast as we can to get get things done. Uh, and I think that's super uh, uh, important. But it does sound cocky to say we're just better than other people. Um, <laughs> Maybe we're not, but uh, but I think that's all wrapped up in play, getting out of your way, and happy failure. Yeah, those are the things. Yeah, cool. All right, hey, that was pretty good. I think we did pretty good. It was good. Go. We, we did okay. Those are the three <laughs> best lessons. Uh, I think we got time for one more here. Do you see another one there they want to do, or, or should we just? Uh, do it? What have we got? 
All right, I've got one last one here from Nicole. It says, what does it feel like, air quotes, uh, inverted commas, what does it feel like <laughs> to do a scene or to take a class? What does it feel like to do a scene or take a class? Interesting, to feel. What does it feel mm. like? Well, um, I think uh, lots of things to lots of people. Yeah. I don't think any. I don't think everyone feels the same thing. Some people are terrified. Some people are super yeah. like uh, like nervous about it. Some people are excited, stoked. Like oh, I can't yeah. wait to finally do this. Uh, doing a scene, same thing. Some people are terrified. Some people are confused. Some people are worried. Some people are just, mm-hmm. just eh, whatever. You know, there's lots of different feelings. So uh, let's let's take this personally. What does it feel like when you when you do a scene or take a class? Like, let's start with scenes. What does it feel like to do a scene when you're doing a scene? It's. It, I'm going to assume that we're talking about scenes that are great. Yeah, a good fun to do. Yeah, um, with and, good and, people. Uh, scenes with good people. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels great. It feels like uh, I, I'm alive. It feels like I'm uh, I, I'm free uh, and uh, and energized from a place that I don't know where the energy is coming from and connected. Um, and so, yeah, I'm on the stage sometimes with people I work with for 20 years, sometimes for people I've worked with for three hours. Um, but when I'm in a scene. And it's working, and we're gelling, and you know there may be hiccups and stuff in there. You're always monitoring, you know, where it goes, what it needs, all of that sort of stuff. But I think I feel like I function higher on a stage with the focus uh, on me from the audience, from the other other players. And if I were to kind of stop and take a splice of all the three or four things that I'm thinking about in that very one moment, be it the line of dialogue I'm about to say, the relationship, what I'm saving to surprise you in two minutes' time, uh, you know, all of these kind of things are all on the go and not in my brain at all. Um, you know, it's just the moment that mm-hmm. I'm that I'm feeling. So I feel like when I'm doing a scene like like Ursula from <laughs> just like wandering around the stage, but there's like eight legs kind of just out doing everything. I don't know what they're doing. They're just keeping me afloat, oh. you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's funny. I think a, a feeling, thinking about how I feel when I'm doing a scene. What, well, the first thing that came to my mind was like, I feel like I can do anything. Like, I yeah. feel like this, I'm on, like, this is it. This is it. And it's weird because, like, I'll spend sometimes, like, especially before doing, like, a, a difficult show, like, I'm backstage going, like, why did I, why am I, I shouldn't be doing, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is too hard. Um, but once I'm on stage, it's like, I can do it. Like, freestyle yeah. rapping shows, like, doing a show where you're freestyle rapping is like, off stage, I cannot rap very well. But in a scene on stage in the middle of a show, I have to rap, I will rap. Like I will, yeah. fig- I'll do it and I can just do it. Like, I feel like that because I, I don't want to let down these people I'm working with. I don't want to let this audience down. Uh, everything I need is right there. Wow. I can just mm-hmm. pick this up and use it. This is just so, so easy. Like, I just feel like I can do anything and it's going to work. And then sometimes yeah. it doesn't, <laughs> but it yeah. feels like it's going to work and I can do it yeah. <laughs> even though I might not be able to and it yeah, might not work. <laughs> every time, every once in a while, something might go clunk. And, uh, you know, it's like driving down uh, a highway with the top down, listening to Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then you hear a wheel go, and you're like, oh, well, we're still, we're still listening to Chili Willies down the freeway. 
Dream of California. Okay. Um, okay. To take a class. Second part. Um, yeah. Take a class. What's yeah. it feel like to take a class? That's a great question. Well, I, I think early on uh, in my improv uh, life, it was nerve wracking. Uh, there was. You know, you, you're wondering how good you're going to be at things um, and, uh, you know, if you're going to get it um, or if you'll get a laugh or what kind of feedback you'll get and all that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit nerve-wracking. And, and I guess even today when I take classes uh, in the improv from from people who I, I, I know and respect and um, uh, I get a little bit nervous as well, you mm-hmm. know, because I've I've been doing it for twenty years, so you know if I fuck this up now, then what, what what's gonna yeah that what's gonna happen? Like, it's that same kind of thing. That, that pressure, but like I, you should be able to do this. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's my like, first yeah, time trying this too. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I uh, I get I get nervous, but that fuels a, a real energy in me. Uh, I think uh, and a, a real want to engage and and also to find that uh find classes that are going to push me there so yeah i want to find classes be it um be it improv classes or improv adjacent things and as i've gotten older i've really tried to do that kind of thing like screenwriting courses or story courses or things like that that are not necessarily improv but they're going to help me in understanding some of the elements of, of of improv um, they're the things that really excite me, but still make me nervous, like anyone else to undertaking it. Yeah, thing. I think. Yeah, I think um, I, I only have like two things to really add to what you said. Because what you said is is a great example of what it feels like to take a class. But the the yeah. nervous thing, I think, is is key. And I think if you're not feeling a little nervous or like anxious about taking a class, then why are you taking this class? Like, you, do you already know it? Like, you're just like, I'm totally cool with. I could take French, whatever. It's like, well, do you speak French already? Why are you taking this class? Um, so you should feel a little nervous or anxious or excited at least about this class. Um, uh, but the other thing I think is is uh, highly uh, underrated or underreported is that it always feels good to take a class. Like no matter what yeah. kind of class I've taken, even if I thought the class was boring or I didn't really learn anything, uh, like, oh, I already knew all of that, like that whole thing, mm-hmm. I, I always feel good about taking a class. Like I feel like that was a good use of my time. I spent time yeah. improving myself, working on myself, pushing my skill set, whether it's a contemporary dance class or a or a screenwriting or a storytelling class, like whatever it is that you're doing, it's like, it always feels good. And I think if you're ever like wondering, like, should I take that class? Just remember that it will feel good after you've taken yeah. it, no matter what, even at pottery class afterwards, you'll be like, I made a pot. What? Look at, look at this pot. I'm like, I've done, yeah. I take my three-year-old to art classes sometimes and we'll like make stupid paintings and things that are dumb. And I, feel great after them because i'm like yeah. look at the stupid painting we made like i feel good about it so like it, it's something where i think uh underreported you always feel good about taking a class never never yeah. doubt it if you see an opportunity and you want to take it take it don't don't think yeah. it's not going to be worth it yeah let those nerves that that anticipation fuel you as well i think yeah yeah because everyone's there with the same reason at the start of the class. Everyone wants to fuel their curiosity. Everyone has the same anxiety that you're having. Um, so there, there can be that kind of awkward energy at the start of class. But, uh, you know, that, that soon dissipates and everyone's engaged with each other and working. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Oh, great, man. Good stuff. Well, uh, Excellent. that was a wonderful Q&A number three. 
Number three. Number three. We've done three of the Q and A's now. Good work. I know. Good work. Look at us. And hey, how still... about next? How about next after this? We release uh, audio improvised podcast. Oh, okay. What uh, like uh, between the two of us? Yeah, like doing a Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, we'll take a break yeah. from these Q and A's and and release a, a performance. Yeah. Whoa. And see see what people think and. Yeah. Uh, and uh, see see how the Zoom works as an audio thing, and yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, and then also we will uh, we'll be back with another Q and A. I'm sure. I think I think we yeah. still have some questions here that we didn't get a chance to get to. Uh, and uh, of course, now that people have been listening to these, if you do have more questions, send them in, and we will we'd love to talk about them. Uh, and yeah, I think and I'm gonna, if you'd like to, I think I'm going to reach out to some some uh, some uh, other well known improvisers out there in the world and see if they have any questions that they can shoot us to discuss. So, so we'll get some more fun, exciting conversation here. Nice. I was going to say, if anyone out there wants us to deep dive on a particular thing as well, uh, given our first six podcasts were kind of a, a, around particular subjects, if if you feel like there's something we haven't covered or there's something that you'd like us to deep dive on as well, uh, send those suggestions in too, because uh, we mm-hmm. can certainly, we love to dig deep. Yeah. And if you want us to dig deep into something like extra specific, like I'm going to throw out, like if you're like protagonists go yeah and you want us to do yeah. an episode on protagonists we probably i think i could pull out a whole episode on protagonists yeah easily <laughs> i think i could pull out a whole easily. episode on identifying the protagonist like that's not, yes. not, not even what the protagonist is um <laughs> cool great okay so uh yeah thank you very much everyone for listening and uh thanks for for the support of course uh i'm dave morris you can find me at davemorris.tv uh, that's where everything i do is uh and jason geary uh people can find you at of course the dictionary of moments which we've talked about on this as well yes i just popped the 50th episode up that's 150 short stories um so uh, i'm I'm taking thank you thank you thank you (laughs) i'm taking a short break from that because i need to focus on uh, a different writing project at the moment uh but the dictionary will be back on in a couple of weeks but there are 50 episodes there if you uh haven't touched it yet do get into it it's me writing and reading uh short stories Inspired by a single word. It is a delightful, um, delightful little podcast. You know what? I get that song in my head all the time. Ah, uh, uh, yes. After I hear it, like the... Yeah, the heartstrings. I'm like, I'm walking around. I'm saying like, why am I singing this song? Where did this... I'm like, oh, because I was listening to that episode earlier and it's still in my head. I do. I do. Beautiful song. I liberally use the song throughout each episode. Start, finish, and in between things. It's beautiful, I echo it as well. It's a lovely song. They're the Heartstrings Project. Do check them out. They're on Spotify. They're improv. Improvisers I met, uh, one of them is an improviser, I met in Sweden at uh, Gothenburg um, and uh, she does musical theatre as well as improv uh, and she's just been cast as Jasmine on Broadway uh, in the um, Aladdin thing and then the COVID happened so she's (laughs) kind of on hold which sucks but she has a band called uh, or is a part of a band sorry uh, is the proper way to term that uh, called the Heartstrings Project and they do beautiful folk music so you can check me out on the Spotify's all right well Um, thanks a lot man Thanks, Grievous. Uh, we'll see you I, soon. So I believe. <laughs> <laughs>